You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wounded. But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About Myths, baby! And, well, today I am here with a reading episode. Not because it's what was originally scheduled, but because it's all I can manage. (sighs) Life's awful, you know? Like, it's just really bad. And uh, on, on the lighter side... Uh, Part of the reason I am so utterly overwhelmed at this exact moment is not only is life awful, uh, but I am working on very fun and very special episodes for both March and April. March is going to be all about women. Of course, it's Women's History Month, so we are going to be focusing on some incredible goddesses and real women of the ancient world. I have some amazing conversations scheduled too. And then April, ugh, April. I realize I haven't mentioned this yet because I am dropping the ball on literally everything in my life, but we are here with a very special Bronze Age history lesson for the entire month of April. It's going to be like the special series of episodes that I have done in past years on Atlantis and Sparta, where we look at the truth of so long as we know about the Bronze Age time realm of Greece and a little bit of the wider Mediterranean and look at a little bit of the misconceptions about its whole quote-unquote collapse. Unlike 
A wild guy on TikTok and Instagram once claimed, no, the ancient Greek people did not mysteriously and unexpectedly lose the ability to read the written word. That's ridiculous. There was no dark age, no mysterious poof, and all the Mycenaeans were gone. There was simply a time of of change and transition, and we're going to look at it closer in that series of episodes, so stay tuned for more on that. But for now, it's the reason for why we are just diving straight into book two of The Fall of Troy today instead of a scripted episode, because I want to. And I can. (laughs) So last time we visited this Roman epic retelling the end of the Trojan War, i.e. the only source we have for any detailed description of the end of the Trojan War and that darn horse, Quintus Smyrnaeus' The Fall of Troy. Last time we left Quintus... We we got to behold the wonder that is the Amazons helping the Trojans and Penthesilea specifically and also her tragic death at the hands of Achilles. Because, I mean, Achilles, kind of a dick, you know? We are back today with book two, where we get a little help from the Ethiopian king Memnon for the Trojans. Because they had the most badass people coming in to help them. It is another book of this entire epic that I have actually read for episodes on the show. So if you want a little deeper dive into the king of Ethiopia, Memnon, go back and uh, search his name in your podcast app and you will find my episode on him. Just a reminder, because it becomes very necessary when speaking of Memnon, He is the son of Dawn, of Eos, rosy-fingered Dawn, Uh, and so he is very often referenced in that way rather than his name. So take note. It's all about Memnon anyway. But for now, we are just reading this straight. We are going right back in to this unfortunately very old and slightly stuffy translation of a really fascinating Roman epic retelling one of the most famous stories from ancient Greece. It's a whole convoluted mess, but it's fun. This is Quintus Smyrnaeus's The Fall of Troy, translated by A.S. Way, Book Two. When over the crests of the far echoing hills the splendor of the tireless racing sun poured over the land, still in their tents rejoiced Achaea's stalwart sons, and still acclaimed Achilles the resistless. But in Troy still mourned her people, still from all her towers seaward they strained their gaze, for one great fear gripped all their hearts, to see that terrible man at one bound overleap their high-built wall, then smite with the sword all people there within, and burn with fire fanes, palaces, and homes, And old Thymetes spoke to the anguished ones. 
Friends, I have lost hope. My heart sees not, or help, or bulwark from the storm of war, now that the aweless Hector, who was once Troy's mighty champion, is in dust laid low. Not all his might availed to escape the fates, but overborne he was by Achilles' hands, the hands that would, I verily deem, bear down a god if he defied him to the fight, even as he overthrew this warrior queen, Penthesilea, battle-reveling, from whom all other Argives shrank in fear. Ugh, she was marvelous. When at the first I looked on her, it seemed a blessed one from heaven had come down hitherward to bring light to our darkness. Ah, vain hope, vain dream. Go to, let us take counsel. What to do were best for us? Or shall we still maintain a hopeless fight against these ruthless foes? Or shall we straightway flee a city doomed? Ah, doomed. For nevermore may we withstand Argives in fighting field, when in the front of battle pitiless Achilles storms. Then spoke Laomedon's son, the ancient king, No, friend, and all you other sons of Troy, and you strong war helpers, flinch we not, faint-hearted, from defense of fatherland. Yet let us go not forth the city gates to battle with that foe, no, from our towers and from our ramparts let us make defense, till our new champion comes, the stormy heart of Memnon. Lo, he comes, leading on hosts numberless, Ethiopia's swarthy sons. By now, I trow, he is nigh unto our gates, for long ago, in sore distress of soul, I sent him urgent summons. Yes, and he promised me, gladly promised me, to come to Troy and make all end of our woes. And now I trust he is nearly here. Let us endure a little longer then, for better far it is, like brave men in the fight, to die than flee and live in shame amid alien folk. So spoke the old king, but Polydamas, the prudent-hearted, thought not good to war thus endlessly, and spoke his patriot reed. If Memnon has, beyond all shadow of a doubt, pledged himself to thrust dire ruin from us, then do I gainsay not that we await the coming of that godlike man within our walls yet. Ah, my heart misgives me, lest, though he with all his warriors come, he comes but to his death, and unto thousands more our people, not but misery comes thereof. For terribly against us leaps the storm of the Achaeans' might. But now go to, let us not flee afar from this our Troy to wander to some alien land, and there, in the exile's pitiful helplessness, endure all flouts and outrage. Nor in our own land abide we till the storm of Argive war overwhelms us. No, even now, late that w though it may be, better it were for us to render back unto the Danians Helen and her wealth, even all that glory of women brought with her from Sparta, and add other treasure. Yes, repay it twofold, so to save our Troy and our souls." while yet the spoiler's hand is laid not on our substance, 
And while yet Troy hath not sunk in gulfs of ravening flame, I pray you take to heart my counsel. None shall, well I wot, be given to Trojan men better than this. Ugh, would that long ago Hector had hearkened to my pleading, when I fain had kept him in the ancient home. So spoke Polydamus, the noble and strong, and all the listening Trojans in their hearts approved. Yet none dared utter openly the word, for all with trembling held in awe their prince and Helen, though for her soul's sake daily they died. But on that noble man turned Paris and reviled him to his face, you Dastard, battle-blencher Polydamus, not in your craven bosom beats a heart that bides the fight, but only fear and panic. Yet do you vaunt you, quote, still our best in counsel. No man's soul is base as yours. Go to yourself, shrink, shivering from the strife, cower, coward, in your halls, but all the rest we men will still Go, armor girt, until we rest from this our truceless war a peace that shall not shame us. It's with labor and toil of strenuous war that brave men win renown. But polite, weak women choose it, and young babies. Your spirit is like to theirs. No wit, I trust you in the day of battle, you, the man who makes faint the hearts of all the host. So fiercely he reviled, Polydamus wrathfully answered, for he shrank not he from answering to his face. A caitiff hound, a reptile fool, is he who fawns on men before their faces, while his heart is black with malice, and when they be gone his tongue backbites them. Openly Polydamus flung back upon the prince his taunt and scoff, O oh, you of living men most mischievous, your valor, quote, brings us misery. Your heart endures and will endure that strife should have no limit save in utter ruin of fatherland and people for your sake. Never may such want with valor craze my soul. Be mine to cherish wise discretion, yes, a warder that shall keep my house in peace. Indignantly he spoke, and Paris found no word to answer him, for conscience woke remembrance of all woes he had brought on Troy and should bring, for his passion-fevered heart would rather hail quick death than severance from Helen the divinely fair, although for her sake was it that the sons of Troy even then were gazing from their towers to see the Argives and Achilles drawing nigh. But no long time thereafter came to them Memnon, the warrior king, and brought with him a countless host of swarthy Ethiopians. From all the streets of Troy the Trojans flocked, glad-eyed to gaze on him. As seafarers with ruining tempest utterly forspent, see through wide parting clouds the radiance of the eternal wheeling northern wane. So joyed the Troy folk as they thronged around, and more than all Laomedon's son, for now leaped in his heart a hope that yet the ships might by those Ethiopian men be burned with fire. So giant-like their king was, and themselves so huge a host, and so athirst for fight. 
Therefore, with all observance, welcomed he the throng son of the Lady of the Dawn with goodly gifts and with abundant cheer. So at the banquet king and hero sat and talked, this telling of the Danian chiefs and all the woes himself had suffered, that telling of that strange immortality by the dawn goddess given to his sire, telling of the unending flow and ebb of the sea mother, of the sacred flood of ocean, fathomless, rolling, of the bounds of earth that weary, never of her labor, of where the sun steeds leap from orient waves, telling withal of his wayfaring from ocean's verge to Priam's wall and spurs of Ida. Yes, he told how his strong hand smote the great army of the Solimi, who barred his way, whose deed presumptuous brought upon their own heads crushing ruin and woe. So told he all that marvelous tale, and told of countless tribes and nations seen of him, and Priam heard and ever glowed his heart within him, and the old lips of answering spoke. Memnon, the gods are good, who have vouchsafed to me the look upon your host, and you here in my halls. So told he all that marvelous tale, and told of countless tribes and nations seen of him. And Priam heard, and ever glowed his heart within him, and the old lips answering spoke. Memnon, the gods are good, who have vouchsafed to me the look upon your host, and you here in my halls. Oh, that their grace would so crown this their boon, that I might see my foes all thrust to one destruction by your spears. That well may be, for marvelous like art you to some invincible deathless one, yes, more than any earthly hero. Wherefore you, I trust, shall hurl wild havoc through their host. But now I pray you, for this day do you cheer at my feast your heart, and with the morn shall go you forth to battle worthy of you. Then in his hands a chalice deep and wide he raised, and Memnon in all love he pledged in that huge golden cup a gift of gods. For this the cunning godsmith brought to Zeus his masterpiece, what time the mighty in power to Hephaestus gave for bride the Cyprian queen, and Zeus on Dardanus his godlike son bestowed it. He on Erichthonius, Erichthonius to Tros, the great heart gave it. And he with all his treasure store bequeathed it unto Ilus. And he gave that wonder to Laomedon, and he to Priam, who had thought to leave the same to his own son. Fate ordered otherwise, and Memnon clasped his hands about that cup so peerless, beautiful, and his heart marveled. And thus he spoke unto the king, beseems not with great swelling words to vaunt amidst the feast and lavish promises, but rather quietly to eat in hall and to devise deeds worthy. Whether I be brave and strong, or whether I be not, battle wherein a man's true might is seen shall prove to you. Now would I rest, nor drink the long night through. The battle-eager spirit by measureless wine and lack of sleep is dulled. Marveled at him the old king, and he said, As seems you good touching the banquet, do after your pleasure. I, when you are loth, will not constrain thee. 
Yes, unmeet it is to hold back him who fain would leave the board, or hurry from one's halls who fain would stay. So is the good old law with all true men. Then rose that champion from the board and passed thence to his sleep, his last. And with him went all others from the banquet, to their rest and gentle sleep slid down upon them soon. But in the halls of Zeus, the lightning lord, feasted the gods the while, and Cronos' son, all father of his deep foreknowledge, spoke amidst them of the issues of the strife. Be it known unto you all, tomorrow shall bring by yonder war affliction swift and sore, for many mighty horses shall you see in either host beside their chariots slain and many heroes perishing. Therefore you remember these my words, however you grieve for dear ones. Let none clasp my knees in prayer, since even to us relentless are the fates. So warned he them, which knew before, that all should from the battle stand aside, however heart wrung, that none, petitioning for a son or dear one, should come to Olympus vainly. So at that warning of the Thunderer, the son of Kronos, all they steeled their hearts to bear, and spoke no word against their king, for in exceeding awe they stood of him. Yet to their several mansions and their rest with sore hearts they went. Over their deathless eyes the blessing-bringer sleep, his light veils spread. When over precipitous crests of mountain walls leapt up broad heaven, the bright morning star who rouses to their toils from slumber sweet the binders of the sheaf, then his last sleep unclasped the warrior son of her who brings light to the world, the child of mists of night, now swelled his mighty heart with eagerness to battle with the foe forthright, and dawn with most reluctant feet began to climb heaven's broad highway. Then did the Trojans gird their battle harness on, then armed themselves the Ethiopian men, and all the mingled tribes of those war helpers that from many lands to Priam's aid were gathered. Forth the gates swiftly they rushed, like darkly lowering clouds which Cronus's son, when storm is rolling up, herds together through the welkin wide. Swiftly the whole plain filled. Onward they streamed like harvest-ravaging locusts, drifting in on fashion in heavy brooding rain clouds over wide plains of earth, an irresistible host bringing wan famine on the sons of men. So in their might and multitude they went. The city streets were all too straight for them marching, up soared the dust from underfoot. From far the Argives gazed and marveling saw their onrush, but with speed arrayed their limbs in brass and in the might of Peleus's son put their glad trust. Amidst them rode he on like to a giant titan, glorying in steeds and chariot, while his armor flashed splendor around in sudden lightning gleams. It was as when the sun from utmost bounds of earth encompassing ocean comes and brings light to the world and flings his splendor wide through heaven and earth and air laugh all around. So glorious mid the Argives Peleus' son rode onward 
Amid the Trojans rode the while Memnon the hero, even such to see as Ares, furious-hearted. Onward swept the eager host arrayed about their lord. Then in the grapple of war on either side closed the long lines Trojan and Danian, but chief in prowess still the Ethiopians were. Crashed they together as when surges meet on the wild sea, when, in a day of storm from every quarter, winds to battle rush. Foe hurled at foe the ashen spear and slew. Screams and death groans went up like roaring fire. As when down thundering torrents shout and rave on pouring seaward. When the maddening rains stream from God's cisterns. When the huddling clouds are hurled against each other ceaselessly and leave their fiery breath and flashes forth. So beneath the fighters' trampling feet the earth thundered and leapt the terrible battle yell through frenzied air, for the mad war cries were. For first fruits of death's harvest, Peleus' son slew Thalius and Mentes, nobly born, men of renown, and many a head beside dashed he to dust. As in its furious swoop a whirlwind shakes dark chasms underground, and earth's foundations crumble and melt away around the deep roots of the shuddering world, so the ranks crumbled in swift doom to the dust before the spear and fury of Peleus's son. But on the other side, the hero child of the dawn goddess slew the Argive men like to a baleful doom which brings down on men a grim and ghastly pestilence. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was we'll it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Gene, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. 
And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. First slew he fear on, for the bitter spear plunged through his breast, and down on him he hurled goodly Eurethus. Battle revelers both, dwellers in Threus by Alpheus's streams, which followed Nestor to the god-built burge of Ilium. But when he had laid these low against the son of Nellius, pressed he on eager to slay. Godlike Antilochus strode forth to meet him, sped the long spear's flight, yet missed him, for a little he swerved, but slew his Ethiopian comrade, son of Parasus. Wroth for his fall against Antilochus, he leapt, as leaps a lion mad of mood upon a boar, the beast that flinches not from fight with man or brute, whose charge is a flash of lightning, so was his swift leap. His foe Antilochus caught a huge stone from the ground, hurled, smote him, but unshaken abode his strength, for the strong helm crest fenced his heart from death, but rang the morion round his brows. His heart kindled with terrible fury at the blow more than before against Antilochus. Like seething cauldron boiled his maddened might, he stabbed, for all his cunning offense, the son of Nestor above the breast. The crashing spear plunged to the heart, the spot of speediest death. Then upon all the Danians at his fall came grief, but anguish-stricken was the heart of Nestor most of all, to see his child slain in his sight, for no more bitter pang smites the heart of man than when a son perishes and his father sees him die. Therefore, albeit unused to melting mood, his soul was torn with swift agony for the son by black death slain. 
A wild cry hastily to Thrasymedes did he send afar. Hither to me, Thrasymedes, war-renowned. Help me to thrust back from my brother's corpse, yes, from mine hapless son, his murderer, that so ourselves may render to our dead all dues of mourning. If you flinch for fear, no son of mine are you, nor of the line of Periclymenus, who dared withstand Hercules' self. Come to the battle toil, for grim necessity oftentimes inspires the very coward with courage of despair. Then in his cry that brother's heart was stung with bitter grief. Swift for his help drew nigh Furious, on whom for his great prince's fall came anguish. Charged these warriors, too, that to face strong Memnon in the gory strife. As when two hunters amid a forest's mountain fold, eager to take the prey, rush on to meet a wild boar or a bear, with hearts afire to slay him, but in furious mood he leaps on them and holds at bay the might of men, so swelled the heart of Memnon. Nigh drew they, yet vainly essayed to slay him as they hurled the long spears, but the lances glanced aside far from his flesh. The dawn queen turned them thence. Yet fell their spears not vainly to the ground. The lance of fiery-hearted Phereus, winged with eager speed, dealt death to Megi's son, Polymnius. Laomedon was slain by the wrath of Nestor's son for a brother dead. The dear one Memnon slew in battle rout, and whom the slayers wore unwearied hands, now stripped of all his brazen battle gear. Not recking he of Thrasymedes' might, nor of stout Phareus, who were unto him but weaklings. A great lion seemed he there, standing above a heart, as jackals they that, how so hungry, dare not come too nigh. But hard thereby the father gazed thereon in agony, and cried the rescue cry to other his war comrades for their aid against the foe. Himself too burned to fight from his war car, for yearning for the dead goaded him to the fray beyond his strength. Aye, and himself had been on his dear son laid, numbering with the dead, had not the voice of Memnon stayed him even in to act to rush upon him, for he reverenced in his heart the white hairs of an age-mate of his sire. Ancient, he cried, it were my shame to fight with one so much mine elder. I am not blind unto honor. Verily I weened that this was some young warrior, when I saw you facing thus the foe. My bold heart hoped for contest worthy of my hand and spear. No, draw you back af afar from the battle toil and bitter death. Go, lest how loth some, however, I smite you of sore need. No, fall not you beside your son, against a mightier man fighting, lest men with folly you should charge. For folly it is that braves overmastering might. He spoke and answered him, that warrior old. No, Memnon, vain was that last word of yours. None would name fool the father who essayed, battling with foes for his son's sake, to thrust the ruthless slayer back from that dear corpse, but ah, that yet my strength were whole in me, that you might know my spear. Now can you vaunt proudly. A young man's heart is bold and light his wit. Uplifted is your soul and vain your speech. 
If in my strength of youth you had met me, <laughs> your friends had not rejoiced. For all your might but me, the grievous weight of age bows down, like an old lion, whom a cur may boldly drive back from the fold, for that he cannot, in his wrath's despite, maintain his own cause, being toothless now and strengthless, and his strong heart tamed by time. So well the springs of olden strength no more now in my breast. Yet I am stronger still than many men. My gray hairs yield to few that have within them all the strength of youth. So drew he back a little space and left lying in dust his son. Since now no more lived in the once lithe limbs the olden strength, for the year's weight lay heavy on his head. Back leapt Thrasymedes likewise, spearmen good, and battle-eager Furious, and the rest, their comrades, for that slaughter-dealing man pressed hard on them. As when from mountains high a shouting river with wide-echoing din sweeps down its fathomless whirlpools through the gloom, when God with tumult of a mighty storm has palled the sky in cloud from verge to verge, when thunders crash all round— when thick and fast gleam lightnings from the huddling clouds, when fields are flooded as the hissing rain descends, and all the air is filled with awful roar of torrents pouring down the hill ravines, so Memnon, toward the shores of Hellespont before him, hurled the Argives following hard behind them, slaughtering ever. Many a man fell in the dust and left his life in blood beneath Ethiopian hands. Stained was the earth with gore as Danians died. Exalted Memnon's soul as on the ranks of foemen ever he rushed, and heaped with dead was all the plain of Troy. And still from might restrained he not. He hoped to be a light of safety unto Troy and bane to Danians, but all the while stood baleful doom beside him and spurred on to strife with flattering smile to right to left his stalwart helpers wrought in battle toil alcyonius and nicias and the son of asius is furious sold meniclus's spear clydon and alexippus yes a host eager to chase the foe men who in fight quit them like men exulting in their king then as meniclus on the danians charged the son of nellius slew him Wroth for his friend, whole throngs of foes, fierce-hearted Memnon slew. As when a hunter midst the mountains drives swift deer within the dark lines of his toils, the eager ring of beaters closing in presses the huddled throng into the snares of death. The dogs are wild with joy of the chase ceaselessly giving tongue, the while his darts leap, winged with death on brocket and on hind. So Memnon slew and ever slew. His men rejoiced, the while in panic-stricken rout before that glorious man the Argives fled. As when from a steep mountain's precipice brow leaps a huge crag, which all resistless Zeus by stroke of thunderbolt has hurled down on the crest, crash oakwood copses, echo long ravines, shudders the forest to its rattle and roar, and flocks therein, and herds and wild things flee, scattering, as bounding, whirling, it descends with deadly, pitiless onrush. So his foes fled from the lightning flash of Memnon's spear. 
Then to the side of Iacus's mighty son came Nestor. Anguished for his son, he cried, Achilles, you great bulwark of the Greeks, slain is my child. The armor of my dead has Memnon, and I fear me lest his corpse be cast a prey to dogs. Haste to his help. True friend is he who still remembers a friend, though slain, and grieves for one no more. Achilles heard his heart was thrilled with grief. He glanced across the rolling battle, saw Memnon, saw where in throngs the Argives fell beneath his spear. Forthright he turned away from where the rifted ranks of Troy fell fast before his hands, and thirsting for the fight, wroth for Antilochus and the others slain, came face to face with Memnon. In his hands that godlike hero caught up from the ground a stone, a boundary mark between fields of wheat, and hurled down on the shield of Peleus' son, it crashed. But he, the invincible, shrank not before the huge rock shard, but, thrusting out his long lance, rushed to close with him, afoot, for his steeds stayed behind the battle rout. On the right shoulder above the shield he smote and staggered him, but he, despite the wound, fought on with heart uncoiling. Swiftly he thrust and pricked with his strong spear Achilles's arm. Forth gushed the blood, rejoicing with vain joy to Iacus's son. With arrogant words he cried, Now shall you in your death fill up, I trow, your dark doom. Overmastered by my hands, you shall not from this fray escape alive. Fool, wherefore have you ruthlessly destroyed Trojans and vaunted you the mightiest of man, a deathless Nereid's son? Ha! Now your doom has found you. Of birth divine am I, the Dawn Queen's mighty son, nurtured afar by lily-slender Hesperiad maids beside the ocean river. Therefore not from you nor grim battle do I shrink, knowing well how far my goddess mother does transcend a Nereid, whose child you vaunts to be. To gods and men my mother brings light. On her depends the issue of all things, works great and glorious in Olympus, wrought whereof comes blessing unto men." But yours? She sits in barren crypts of brine. She dwells glorying amid dumbed sea monsters and amid fish, deedless, unseen. Nothing I reck of her, nor rank her with the immortal heavenly ones. In stern rebuke spoke Iacus's aweless son, Achilles, Memnon, how waste you so distraught of wit that you should face me, and to fight defy me, who in might, in blood, in stature, far surpass you? From supreme Zeus I trace my glorious birth, and from the strong sea god Nereus, begetter of the maids of the sea, the Nereids, honored of the Olympian gods, and chiefest of them all is Thetis, wise with wisdom, world-renowned, for in her bowers she sheltered Dionysus, chased by might of murderous Lycurgus from the earth. Yes, and the cunning godsmith welcomed she within her mansion, when from heaven he fell. Yes, and the lightning lord she once released from bonds. The all-seeing dwellers in the sky remember all these things, and reverence my mother Thetis in divine Olympus. Yes, that she is a goddess, shall you know, when to your heart the brazen spear shall pierce, sped by my might, 
Patroclus's death I avenged on Hector, and Antilochus on you will I avenge. No weakling's friend you have slain, but why, like witless children, stand we here babbling our parents' fame and our own deeds? Now is the hour when prowess shall decide. Then from the sheath he flashed his long keen sword, and Memnon his, and swiftly in fiery fight closed they, and rained the never-ceasing blows upon the bucklers, which, with craft divine, Hephaestus' self had fashioned. Once and again clashed they together, and their cloudy crests touched, mingling all their tossing storm of hair. And Zeus, for that he loved them both, Inspired with prowess each, and mightier than they want, he made them, made them tireless, nothing like to men, but gods, and gloated over the two, the queen of strife. In eager fury, these thrust swiftly out the spear, with fell intent to reach the throat between buckler, rim, and helm, thrust many a time and oft, and now would aim the point beneath the shield, above the greave, now close beneath the corslet, curious wrought that lapped the stalwart frame. Hard, fast they lunged, and on their shoulders clashed the arms divine, roared to the very heavens the battle shout of warring men, of Trojans, Ethiopians, and Argives mighty-hearted, while the dust rolled up from beneath their feet, tossed to the sky in stress of battle, labor, great and strong. As when a mist enshrouds the hills, what time rolls up the rain clouds and the torrent beds roar as they fill with rushing floods and howls each gorge with fearful voices, shepherds quake to see the waters down rush and the mist screen deer to wolves and all the wild fierce things nursed into the wide arms of the forest. So around the fighters' feet the choking dust hung, hiding their fair splendor of the sun and darkening all the heavens. Sore distressed with dust and deadly conflict were the folk. Then with a sudden hand some blessed one swept the dust pall aside, and the gods saw the deadly fates hurling the charging lines together in the unending wrestle locked of that grim conflict. Saw where never ceased Ares from hideous slaughter, saw the earth crimsoned all around with rushing streams of blood, saw where dark havoc gloated over the scene, saw the wide plain with corpses heaped, even all bounded between Simois and Xanthus, where they swept from Ida down to Hellespont. But when long lengthened out the conflict was of those two champions, and the might of both in that strong tug and strain was equal matched, then, gazing from Olympus's far-off heights, the gods joyed, some in the invincible son of Peleus, others in the goodly child of old Tythonus and the queen of dawn, thundered the heavens on high from east to west, and roared the sea from verge to verge, and rocked the dark earth beneath the hero's feet, and quaked proud Nereus's daughters all around Thetis, thronged in grievous fear for mighty Achilles' sake, and trembled for her son, the child of the mist, as in her chariot through the sky she rode, Marveled the daughters of the sun who stood near her around that wondrous splendor ring traced for the race course of the tireless sun by Zeus, the limit of all nature's life and death, the daily round that makes up eternal circuit of the rolling years. And now amongst the blessed bitter feud had broken out, 
But by behest of Zeus, the twin fates suddenly stood beside these two. One dark, her shadow fell on Memnon's heart. One bright, her radiance haloed Peleus's son. And with a great cry, the immortals saw, and filled with sorrow, they of the one part were, they of the other, with triumphant joy. Still in the midst of blood-stained battle rout, those heroes fought, unknowing of the fates now drawn so nigh, but each at other hurled his whole heart's courage, all his bodily might. You had said that in the strife of that dread day huge tireless giants or strong titans war, so fiercely blazed the wildfire of their strife. Now, when they clashed with swords, now, when they leapt huge hurling stones, nor either would give back before the hail of blows, nor quailed, they stood like storm-tormented headlands, steadfast, clothed with might past words, unearthly, for the two alike could boast their lineage of high Zeus. Therefore, between these Enyo lengthened out the even-balanced strife, while ever they in that grim wrestle strained their utmost, they and their dauntless comrades round their kings with ceaseless fury toiling, till their spears stood shivered all in shields of warriors slain, and all the fighters woundless none remained. But from all limbs streamed down into the dust the blood and sweat of that unresting strain of fight, and earth was hidden with the dead, as heaven is hidden with clouds when meets the sun the goat star and the shipman dreads the deep. As charged the lines, the snorting chariot steeds trampled the dead, as on the myriad leaves you trample in the woods at entering in of winter when the autumn tide is past. Still amid the corpses and the blood fought on those glorious sons of gods, nor ever ceased from the wrath of fight. But Eris now inclined the fatal scales of battle, which no more were equal poised. Beneath the breast bone then of godlike Memnon plunged Achilles' sword. Clear through his body all the dark blue blade leapt. Suddenly snapped the silver cord of life. Down in a pool of blood he fell and clashed his massy armor, and earth rang again. Then turned to flight his comrades, panic struck, and of his arms the Myrmidons stripped the dead, while fled the Trojans and Achilles chased, as whirlwind swift and mighty to destroy. Then groaned the dawn, and palled herself in clouds, and earth was darkened. At their mother's hest all the light breathings of the dawn took hands and slid down one long stream of sighing wind to Priam's plain, and floated round the dead, and softly, swiftly caught they up and bore through silver mists the dawn queen's son, with hearts sore aching for their brother's fall, while moaned round them all the air. As on they passed, fell many blood gouts from those pierced limbs down to the earth, and these were made a sign to generations yet to be. 
the gods gathered them up from many lands and made thereof a far resounding river named of all that dwell beneath long ida's flanks paphlagonion as its waters flow between fertile acres once a year they turn to blood when comes the woeful day whereon died memnon thence a sick and choking reek streams you would say that from a wound unhealed corrupting humours breathed an evil stench yes so the gods ordained but now flew on bearing dawn's mighty sun the rushing winds skimming earth's face and palled about with night nor were his ethiopian comrades left to wander of their king forlorn a god suddenly winged those eager souls with speed such as should be theirs forever changed to flying fowl the children of the air wailing their king in the wind's track they sped as when a hunter amid the forest breaks is by a boar or grim-jawed lion slain and now his sorrowing friends take up the corpse and bear it heavy-hearted and the hounds follow low whimpering pining for their lord in that disastrous hunting lost so they left far behind that stricken field of blood and fast they followed after those swift winds with multitudinous moaning veiled in mist unearthly trojans over the plain and danians marveled seeing that great host vanishing with their king all hearts stood in dumb amazement but the tireless winds sighing set hero memnon's giant corpse down by the deep flow of esopus's stream where is a fair grove of the bright-haired nymphs the which round his long barrow afterward esopus's daughters planted screening it with many and manifold trees and long and loud wailed those immortals chanting his renown the son of the dawn goddess splendor throned now sank the sun the lady of the morn wailing her dear child from the heavens came down twelve maidens shining tressed attended her the warders of the high paths of the sun forever circling warders of the night and dawn and each world ordinance framed of zeus around whose mansion everlasting doors from east to west they dance from west to east whirling the wheels of harvest laden years while rolls the endless round of winter's cold and flowery spring and lovely summer tide and heavy clustered autumn these came down from heaven for memnon wailing wild and high and mourned with these the pleiades echoed round far-stretching mountains and aesopus's stream ceaseless uprose the keen and in their midst fallen on her son and clasping wailed the dawn dead are you dear dear child and you have clad your mother in a pall of grief oh i now you are slain i will not endure to light the immortal heavenly ones no i will plunge down to the dread depths of the underworld where your lone spirit flits to and fro and will to blind night leave earth sky and sea till chaos and formless darkness brood over all that cronus's son may also learn what means anguish of heart 
for not less worship-worthy than Narius' child by Zeus's ordinance am I, who look on all things, I, who bring to their consummation recklessly my light Zeus now despises. Therefore I will pass into the darkness. Let him bring up to Olympus Thetis from the sea to hold for him the light forth to gods and men. My sad soul loves darkness more than day, lest I pour light upon your slayer's head. Thus, as she cried, the tears ran down her face immortal, like a river brimming. Drenched was the dark earth round the corpse. The night grieved in her daughter's anguish, and the heaven drew over all his stars a veil of mist and cloud of love unto the Lady of Light. Meanwhile, within their walls, the Trojan folk for Memnon sorrowed sore, with vain regret, yearning for that lost king and all his host. Nor greatly joyed the Argives, where they lay camped in the open plain amidst the dead. There, mingled with Achilles' praise, uprose wails for Antilochus, joy clasped hands with grief. All night, in groans and sighs most pitiful, the dawn queen lay. A sea of darkness moaned around her. Of the day spring not, she wrecked. She loathed Olympus's spaces. At her side fretted and whinnied still her fleet-foot steeds, trampling the strange earth, gazing at their queen grief-stricken, yearning for the fiery course. Suddenly crashed the thunder of the wrath of Zeus, rocked round her for all the shuddering earth, and on immortal Eos trembling came. Swiftly the dark-skinned Ethiopians from her sight buried their lord lamenting, as they wailed unceasingly. The dawn queen, lovely-eyed, changed them to birds, sweeping through air around the barrow of the mighty dead. And these still do the tribes of men, the Memnons, call, and still with wailing cries they dart and wheel above their king's tomb, and they scatter dust down on his grave, still shrill the battle cry, in memory of Memnon, each to each, but he, in Hades' mansion, or perchance amid the blessed on the Elysian plain, laughs divine dawn comforts, her heart beholding them, but theirs is toil of strife unending, till the weary victors strike the vanquished dead, or one and all fill up the measure of their doom around his grave. So by command of Eos, Lady of Light, the swift birds dree their weird. But dawn divine now heavenward soared with the all-fostering hours, who drew her to Zeus's threshold, sorely loth, yet conquered by their gentle pleadings, such as salve the bitterest grief of broken hearts. Nor the dawn queen forgot her daily course, but quailed before the unbending threat of Zeus, of whom are all things, even all, comprised within the encircling sweep of ocean stream, earth and the palace dome of burning stars. Before her went her Pleiade harbingers. Then she herself flung wide the ethereal gates and, Scattering spray of splendor flashed there through. Uh, 
nerds, thank you as always for listening. Reading episodes are fun. I'm really glad we're uh, in this new piece. I hope you're all liking it. I have to change a lot of words in the moment. Uh, so I hope it sounds natural. You don't want to hear thee and thou all the time. I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. That was really sad. Um, Memnon seems awesome. Achilles just kind of keeps getting worse. And poor Dawn. Eos, rosy fingered. She just, you know, it's too bad. <laughs> oh, I'm tired. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. This ending is what it is. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is written and produced by me, Liv Albert. Michaela Smith is the Hermes to my Olympians. My assistant producer, Laura Smith, is the production assistant and audio engineer. The podcast is part of the iHeart Podcast Network. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Help me continue bringing you the world of Greek mythology and the ancient Mediterranean by becoming a patron where you will get bonus episodes and more. Visit patreon.com slash mythsbaby or click the link in this episode's description. I am Liv and I love this shit. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.